Thanks, Scruff. Man, I am just so grateful for um, Scruff, also known as John, um, and all of the, the youth leaders for the impact that they've had on um, the lives of my children and the lives of so many other students. And, you know, they they put in the hours of, of paid staff at other places, and they are all volunteers, and they just do an amazing job. So keep them in your prayers, and um, just so, so thankful for them. We are continuing on our on series and we're highlighting the ways in which God is so, so different than us and the ways that he goes about accomplishing things and the ways that he asks us to accomplish things. So we started out with this idea of unqualified and um, kind of blew up the premise that God won't give you more than he can handle. But he absolutely will give you more than you can handle because he can handle everything. And then last week we talked about the idea of being unoffendable. Jesus, the only person in all of history who could be offended by anyone and everyone, chose to be offended by no one. And he's our model. He's our example. He's who calls us to follow him. So that's our goal. We should be unoffendable as well. And this morning, I'm going to apologize right up front to my friends out there who um, find grammar a very important thing. Um, the title of this morning's message is Unscared. And I know that's that's poor. Um, however, there is a method to my madness. Unscared is an actual thing, um, rather than using the term unafraid. A man by the name of Brian McKenzie, whose knuckles you're seeing right now, um, came up with this idea of of unscared. And it's a it's an overall philosophy. Uh, Brian is an incredibly smart man, studies human performance, and is just like scary, scary smart. And he. Um, he has this idea of what unscared is, and it kind of shapes and drives everything that he does, his business, his life. Um, and I wanted to capture an essence of what that was, because as it relates to the concept of fear, I think there's something there. We need to change our relationship to fear. Um, but kind of where he lands is, I think, a little bit different than where, um, where we could or should land. So this is from his website. Rather than ignore or avoid fear, we encourage you to build a relationship with it. Exposing yourself to fear is how you grow. This is unscared, the art of dealing with fear, a mindset of continually unlocking greater levels of your potential. So in, um, in Brian's words here, if I could paraphrase him, fear, we change the relationship with fear and it's all about our potential, what we can do, right? Being the, being the best us. I would want to suggest to you this morning, is this, is that approaching Jesus in awe, humility, and reverence unleashes his divine potential on our behalf to face any fear. It's about Jesus's power and potential on our behalf that allows us to face any fear. So I had a whole section in here about um, different kinds of fears and how they impact us, but like right now, the way things are, I don't think I need to spend any time with that. I don't think anybody needs to be more familiarized with with the, this idea of fear or or anxiety, so we're just gonna we're gonna push ahead and we're gonna look at um, what causes fear. And some experts at the Mayo Clinic tell us that fear can be caused by past trauma or loss. Um, that fear can be caused by uh, underlying medical conditions. Fear can be caused by substance use and abuse. Um, so things that are kind of external to us. I'm going to suggest to you that in addition to those, 
there's a mindset, something that's kind of internal that uh, that creates uh, not not the momentary like feeling of fear, like that's good, that protects us, but the the kind of the pall of fear that can just sit on top of us, and that's this: is that um, living a self-centered life causes us to be afraid of the world and everything in it. If the world is about us, if the world is dependent, if I'm the one who's responsible for everything, if I'm the one who has to come through, if I'm the one um, who is going to be applauded and cheered, it all comes back to me. And there, I don't know about you guys, but there is way too much for me to look at that and be like, yeah, I got it. Um, that in itself, that idea causes me, <laughs> causes me fear. Uh, so whether the fear is externally created or internally created, the solution to that is living a God-centered life, right? That's the key to living unscared, a God-centered life. And, and to get to, to unpack that, to, to drill down into that, we're going to look at three different concepts um, that are found in their Bible. The repeated biblical encouragement to fear the Lord, the repeated biblical encouragement to not be afraid, the repeated biblical encouragement to be courageous. So that first one, the fear of the Lord. This is the term the Bible uses for God-centered life. And it is found throughout the Old Testament. Um, you look in Deuteronomy, Proverbs, Psalms. And I, I'm going to share with you one, one verse. There's lots and lots of verses that talk about this idea of the fear of the Lord and the, the benefits and the upside to the fear of the Lord. There's one I wanted to share with you. Um, written by, people think it was written by King Solomon, who was supposed to be the uh, wisest, richest man of his time. And this is what he wrote about, he wrote about everything, right? He wrote about money, he wrote about work, he wrote about relationships, he wrote about sex. All of it, his, his um, conclusion, all of it is worthless. All of it is worthless. Life's pursuit should be about this. This is in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. So this idea of fear God, this is what we're gonna, this is what we're gonna um, wrestle with now. And as you read through the Bible, I think the best way to get an understanding of this idea of fearing God is to look at the accounts in scripture when people came um, face to face with God and they actually recognized who he is. Uh, people came into contact with God and didn't recognize him, but these, the, when people actually came to the realization like, oh my goodness, this is the God of the universe and to see how they reacted. Um, lots of uh, Moses, Ezekiel, Isaiah, um, the, the woman who, anointed Jesus' feet with uh, with oil and washed his feet with her tears. They all, they all had a similar reaction, but we're going to concentrate on one. And this is from Revelation. This is written by John, um, the apostle whom Jesus loved. And it's, uh, it's nine verses, and it's an account of a vision that John had and his, his reaction. So let's, let's read this. I, John, your brother and companion in suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. 
which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were blazing like fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. So, guys, if we could go back to the little little mini screen. Um, so there is, a, man, we could we could go nuts just drilling down into all the symbolism that's in there and talking about all the different aspects that um, that John points out of what he what he recognized and what he saw and all the the different things that were in that vision. But there's, uh, I found a summary in um, in a commentary that I wanted to wanted to read to you that kind of captures for our purposes what John John recognized. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read this to you guys. Dressed in a robe begins the sevenfold description of the Son of Man. Seven in the Bible is um, it's a very important number. It's a sign of of perfection. Sevenfold description of the Son of Man. This vision creates an impression of the whole rather than the particular abstract concepts. John saw Christ as the divine son of God in the fullest sense of the term. He also saw him as the fulfilling Old Testament descriptions of the coming Messiah by using terms drawn from the Old Testament imagery of divine wisdom, power, steadfastness, penetrating vision, dignity, and divine authority. So John recognized Jesus for who he was, and he simultaneously recognized himself for who he was, Jesus in all of his fullness, and John standing, not standing before him, falls face down, though dead, in front of him. And this is almost the exact same reaction of every person who comes in direct contact and recognizes who God is, who Jesus is, right? Moses um, takes off his shoes and hides his face. Ezekiel falls face down. Isaiah cries out, Woe is me, woe is me. Um, Peter falls falls face down and says, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Get away from me. And like I mentioned, that the woman who um, Jesus came in to, to eat at somebody's house and she she threw himself at her feet and she cried on his feet and she washed his feet with her tears and, and dried them with her hair and then poured expensive perfume on his feet. They all fell face down in humility and awe and in reverence. And that's the response to Jesus. When we respond to Jesus like that, when we recognize him for who he really is, we see um, Jesus in all of his all of his perfections. The description that was in um, in the uh, Revelation passage makes me think of a paragon diamond. Right, a paragon diamond is without flaw. Every single facet of it is perfect, and this is Jesus's character. John didn't see him just in his power and might and glory. He saw all of him, right? He saw his mercy. He saw his justice. He saw his love, his compassion, his grace. And it's those things that allow John to stand up and it's allowed 
it's what causes Jesus to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because my, my character is perfect. My character is perfect. And because Jesus is perfect in his character and he approaches us that way, when we recognize him in humility, awe, and reverence, we can hear, don't be afraid. Jesus says, don't be afraid. So that's the, the next component to, to living unscared. This biblical idea is repeated over and over in the Bible. People come in contact with God and he says to them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So if you go back to the very end of that passage in Revelation, we look at the way Jesus responded to John's response. Um, the first thing he does is he touches him, right? He puts he puts a hand on him. This, um, those last couple of verses is like a, a nutshell version of the gospel. Jesus reaches out to John where he's at. John, face down, afraid of, of what's in front of him because of all of its glory and might and power. Jesus touches him right where he's at and he meets him. And John recognizes that everything, everything is going to be okay. After Jesus reaches out to John where he's at, he, um, he confirms who he is, right? The, the terms that he uses for himself, the, the living one, the first and the last. Jesus um, was around before anything else. He is the uncreated cause. He is eternal. He is infinite. And it's those things that John is seeing when he sees him in that, that, that vision. And those things that give Jesus the power to do what he did. He says, I hold the keys to death in Hades. And it's Jesus who conquered death on our behalf and invites us into that victory. Jesus reaches us where we are. He is who he is. Just, he reminds us of who he is. And he reminds us that he has control over over death and the power of, of sin. So we no longer, when we approach Jesus in humility and awe and reverence, um, we no longer have to fear him in the uh, recoiling kind of torment uh, way of we might think about fear. Um, instead, we, we think of him in awe and reverence. So we're still left with this fear of the, the struggles of life. But now Jesus is with us and we can face the struggles and the scary things of life um, with him. And that's where we get this repeated biblical encouragement to be courageous. You know, we just finished this teaching series on the book of Psalms and, you know, more than two thirds of the book of Psalms is the psalmist crying out. And a lot of that is in fear. Right. So it's not we're not supposed to um, be robots. It's not we're not supposed to feel fear. We're not, the psalmist didn't stop at the feeling of fear, and we're not supposed to stop at the, at the feeling of fear. Jesus is, is with us, and I want to, um, we're going to end with a, a passage from Joshua and Hebrews and just talk about what we can do to move forward in courage um, and live that unscared life. So this is Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, my, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, there was about two million of them, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. 
No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Moses takes the people of Israel to the very edge of the promised land. And there he passes away. And God taps Joshua on the shoulder says, Joshua, you're the guy now. You are going to lead these people into the promised land. But you're going to have to do the work. And you're going to see some things that scare the bejeebers out of you. There's going to be people you come in front of that um, it's going to scare some of your people. But you need to push ahead and you know that I'm going to be with you. And there's a couple things that I think we can take away from what God shares with Joshua. And the first one is this is God's call. We can move forward courageously, regardless of how scary a situation we might be stepping into, if we know it's what God has for us, right? And God's call might be something simple as doing the right thing, not cheating on your taxes, right? It could be changing careers. It could be any, any, anywhere in between those things. But when we move forward, knowing that God has called us into that, we can move forward courageously and with confidence. God's word is the next thing that allows us to move forward with courage. And I've used this term with you guys before, that scripture has this, this way of pulling you in and pulling you into this feedback loop. And here's how I hope, here's how it's worked in my life. And I've seen it work in others' lives. When we approach scripture and we ask God to speak to us through the pages of scripture, it's his primary vehicle of communication for us. We get to know him, right? We get to know him, so we trust him. As we trust him, we experience him at a deeper level. As we experience him, we want to know more about him. So we'll pick up the Bible and we'll read more. And we get to know him more and we trust him more and we experience him in a deeper and deeper way and in different ways. And our love for him and our trust for him and, and our encouragement in him grows, right? God's word, um, this is not, these aren't complicated ideas, but they're, there's something that we need to be intentional about engaging in. The, the words that are used in there, the, um, about the, having scripture in your heart and your mind, there's intention around engaging God's word. And when we do that, when we do that, we will, um, we will trust God more. We will love him more. We will be more courageous. The last part from Joshua that I want to point out with Joshua passage is the idea of God's presence. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Um, we can go courageously where God calls us because we're, we've grown in knowledge of him through his word. We've grown in trust and experience. He sent us there and he doesn't send us alone. He doesn't send us alone. The repeated promise of scripture is never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God sends us to do something dangerous, something scary, something we've never done before. He's going to be with us. God is with us in the midst of these uncertain times. Um, 
there's not a lot of things that I have a, a tremendous amount of confidence in these days, but God's presence is, is one of them. He is simultaneously everywhere. And for those who follow Jesus, he resides with, within us. So we have him guiding our, our steps, guiding our ways, encouraging, comforting, convicting, um, empowering us to do what God has for us to do. God's call, God's word, God's presence. You guys, spend some time in that passage. Joshua 1, chapters 1 through, um, verses 1 through 9 this week. One, one quick verse, and I'm going to close with this. Therefore, this is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw up everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You guys, God's, um, God's people is the last thing uh, that I want to point out that can give us some courage as we move into uh, trying to live this unscared life. It says such a great cloud of witnesses. So we can look back through all of history of God's people and we can be encouraged by the people who stood up in the face of fear because God was with them, because they heard God's call, because they knew God's word. We can look at their example and, and be encouraged and empowered by that. We can look at the example of our brothers and sisters who, um, who are part of our community at Crossroads and we see out in the community and around the world and, and be encouraged by them and by what they're doing and how they're living this unscared life because of who Jesus is and their response to him. And um, also, so it's not only just their example, but our brothers and sisters in Christ today walk alongside us, right? That's one of the reasons why living in community is so important. That's one of the reasons why the social distancing thing is hard. We can help each other and we're meeting digitally and we're gathering and we're encouraging. Um, but there's something about walking physically alongside somebody, putting your arm around somebody, um, encouraging them face to face that allows us to step, to move forward and courage, knowing not only like, of course, we have God's presence, but we're walking forward with, um, with God's people, God's call, God's word, God's presence, God's people, all of the things that we can grab onto so that we might move forward with courage. Living unscared is about God and his power as expressed in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the reason that we have access to this divine power. Jesus who gave up everything for us, who lived and died for us, who calls us child. He invites us into the family of God. He defeated the things that we are most afraid of any he, he invites us to share in that victory living unscared is about the power of god as experienced in the presence of the holy spirit um, it's not about my potential or what i can do it's about the infinite eternal unlimited potential of the holy spirit who resides within inside of me who promises never to to leave us or forsake us who goes with us will be with us always to the very end of the age. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit. We have God's presence with us. We have God who is truly alive and complete and perfect in his character. And we come before him in humility and awe and in reverence. And he calls his child and, and we recognize him for who he is. And when we do that, we don't have to fear him. We don't have to fear anything else because he walks with us and he's for us. 
Jesus, thank you. Um, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your perfect character. Lord Jesus, may we, may we see you for who you really are. We ask God that you would remove the blinders from our eyes. Um, Lord Jesus, for the, those who we know and love who are not yet walking with you, remove the blinders from their eyes. Holy Spirit, please reveal yourself to us and to our loved ones and to our friends and our coworkers that we might see you for who you truly are. And then give us the, um, the self-awareness to just fall at your feet. To humbly fall at your feet and to call you Lord. And then God, please give us the courage to move with you into whatever is in front of us. We thank you that, um, that your courage is a promise in scripture. We thank you that all of the promises of Scripture are yes and amen in Jesus. Pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen.